actually spills out, but we think we're going to do it in here. So what that's going to mean is that on December the 4th, when we end our worship service, we want you to just kind of sit tight for a minute while everybody makes their way in. And as a way of uh, entertainment, uh, Rick's going to do a juggling routine to keep you uh, entertained while, uh, while we wait on everyone. Aren't you, Rick? Uh, do you know how to juggle? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's commitment right there. Uh, you got two weeks to learn. And so what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to take it from the baptistry. Uh, Andy's got a way to set up his camera up there in the baptistry, and we're going to take a church-wide picture, and you're going to squeeze in as everybody from the first service, and it's in life groups, they're going to spill, uh, they're going to spill back in here. So we're going to do that December the 4th. So mark your calendar, wear your Sunday best, put on your smiles, and uh, we're looking forward to doing that. Okay, so today I want to uh, talk to you about church membership. I want to talk to you about the importance of church membership and where we find it in Scripture. It's pretty often, if you grew up in a Baptist church, there was always a push to respond by joining the church. You probably uh, remember, uh, remember that a lot. We do still do that a lot. We try to get you connected to our church. And uh, we think this is really, really important, church membership. There are a lot of churches in our day who don't really talk about church membership a lot, don't really have an official process for how you, to be, how you become a member, and they've kind of done away with it altogether. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea, and I hope to explain to you tonight, to, uh, hope to explain to you this morning uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, why that is the case. Now, what comes to your mind whenever you think about membership? Uh, you, you, might, you might think different things. Membership doesn't just mean, okay, I get to vote now. Uh, membership doesn't mean that, okay, now that I'm an official member, I can sing in the choir, work in the nursery, to do all the things within the church. Membership is so much bigger than that. It always amazes me how I've come across people, every church I've ever been in, there have been people who are members of the church, but you don't, you don't really see them. That does not represent what the Bible shows to us about the importance of membership. Membership means participation. It means connection. It means unity. It means function. Membership means being together and being a part of one another. Now, organizationally, different churches do it different ways, uh, and that's totally fine, but the importance of membership cannot be understated, especially in light of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we're going to look at today. Now, you may remember the definition that I gave you of church. Not a building, uh, the people, not an organization, not an institution, it's the people. The people of God of all times and of all places we call the universal church. And then there are local churches. We are a local church. We call ourselves Stephen Street Baptist Church. We are a group of Jesus followers that have united together for worship and mission. And we believe it's important. Because, again, in light of 1 Corinthians 12, and we, when we read this, we're going to quickly see that when we talk about church membership, um, the, Bible doesn't see your, the Bible doesn't view membership as being connected to an institution. It's so much bigger than that. You're not connected to an institution as much as you are connected to and participants with a people. 
And so that's what we're going to see today. That's what we're going to talk about today. And the reality is, if you know Jesus as Savior, you're already a member of the universal church. But God has called us to display that reality in the way that we unite and function with a local church. I believe strongly that God calls us, that God commands us to be united and to be a functioning part and an ongoing, consistent part of a local church. No such thing as solo Christians. No such thing as just me and Jesus off by ourselves. Jesus told a parable of what happens whenever a branch is broken off the vine, that it withers. We are a united people. We are to function together. We are meant to be together. And we're going to see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, let me tell you how I'm going to kind of handle this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 could be several sermons. It could be several sermons. I'm going to kind of give you a, a condensed version of it, and I'm really going to boil it down to kind of two principles. Um, but I believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, captures the essence of the whole chapter. And I want to ask you to just stand with me as we read this one verse. One simple verse that I believe summarizes the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a great statement of identity, a great summary of church membership, a summary of what, of what this chapter says about spiritual gifts and their purpose. And it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. You think you could commit that verse to, to memory this week? You, meaning all of you, are the body of Christ, and individually, as individuals, you are members of it. Let's pray. God, I pray that today, as we look at several verses from this chapter, I pray that this one verse would just resonate in our souls. I pray, God, that we would see this as our identity as a group and our identity as individuals, that we are the body of Christ. Now speak to your people today. Would you encourage them? Would you motivate them? Would you, would you strengthen their faith? And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I call 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the membership chapter. Some of you would maybe refer to it as the spiritual gifts chapter. And that's true. The opening verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 do talk about spiritual gifts. But the point of the whole chapter is to show how those spiritual gifts and different personalities and people and giftedness and service and activities form together to, as a unit called the body of Christ. It's key words. Key words that we see in this chapter. If you were to just take your copy of God's Word and just glance through verses 12 through verses 31, you would see two words that occur a lot. First, you would see the word member appears nine times in those verses. Nine times. And then you would see the word part. I guess the Apostle Paul got tired of writing member, and so he would sometimes say part rather than member. Part is used six times. That is, that is 15 references, 
to what I would say membership and what we would call church membership, which again involves connection and commitment and participation. So if we really want to understand what membership is all about in Scripture, all we have to do is look at this metaphor that is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and to see the context in which member is used. And it's not used to describe a name on a roll and a connection to an institution. It is meant to describe a connection, a union with the body of Christ. And that, that's, what it, that's what it says in, in, in verse 27 that we read just a moment ago, that we are members of the body of Christ. This metaphor is so important in understanding who we are as a people. There are a lot of different metaphors, a lot of different uh, illustrations that are used to describe church or the church or a church in Scripture. And the body of Christ, or for short, just the body or a body, is, is used more than anything else. It is the most common way that we are described as a people. This is a statement of, of identity. It, I, this statement identifies us with the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. It is a statement that whenever, whenever, I mean, think about that. When, when someone says, well, 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 who are you? To talk about all of us as a church. Well, who are you? Well, we would say, well, we're Stephen Street Baptist. We would point to our name on the sign or, or our, our official uh, uh, name that's on the, the front of our, uh, of our bulletin. But we're so much more than that. We are so much more than that. We are the body of Christ. We're something bigger than just this organization, just this institution in which we unify together and operate together. We are the body of Christ. That means you also have an identity in this body and in the body of Christ. Who am I? Someone might would ask. You know, who, who, who am I really? And people might identify themselves by their jobs or by their family or by their, their, their place of origin, where they grew up, or, or all types of different things. But your identity is tied up in Christ. Your true identity is not the location where you were raised or the people that raised you or the language that you speak or all of that. Your true identity is found within the body of Christ, connected to each other, and connected to Christ. I made mention that the word member and the word part is used a, is used a lot in this chapter. Uh, the word body is used even more. Eighteen times the word body is used in 1 Corinthians 12. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. And so all throughout this passage, when we really dig into it, and I don't have time to go line by line, so I'm going to kind of go chunk by chunk. Sometimes you, you kind of have to do that when you have a lot of Scripture that you're, trying, uh, that you're trying to cover. But if we were to really dig down, we would see that sometimes the Apostle Paul, when he talks about body, he's referring to the human body. And other times, he, when he says body, he's speaking about the church body. He's drawing a comparison between the human body, how it's arranged, and how it works, and how it operates, and Christ's body, the church, how it's arranged, and how it operates, and how it works. 
Now, what I find really amazing is that from, uh, from a, a scientific, it's like a medical science perspective, we know so much more about the ins and outs of the human body and how it works and how it operates than the Apostle Paul did 2,000 years ago. There is knowledge about the human eye or about the human ear or about all the different systems and immune systems that we know now. And when we look at some of these things about the human body, we can truly say with Scripture that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And the human body, all oper it operates together, it functions together as a unit, even though there's a lot of different parts. And the Bible says, so it is with Christ. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, I think, explains this really well. It says, just as the body, the human body, has a lot of parts or a lot of members, but they just form one body, it says, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ, meaning so it is with the body of Christ. So it is with all of us. Do you see how this language so closely identifies groupings of Christians with Christ himself. This is an amazing, powerful metaphor to describe our identity as a group and our identity as individuals within that group. Here's, here's another way of thinking about it that I think the Lord kind of helped me this week um, kind of understand, uh, understand all of this. Jesus had a literal body, a literal physical body, just, just, like you, just like you. Your human body can only be in one place at one time. It's not like you can be everywhere all at once. Jesus was God, took upon flesh. He lived in a literal physical body. That body was resurrected. It was transformed, ascended into heaven. And now Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. His literal physical body is not on earth anymore. However, in its place is all of us, our physical bodies, united together as the body of Christ and scattered all over the globe as we are gathered and scattered all over this earth, representing him in the here and now. Think about what Jesus did in his physical body when he was on the earth. He preached, he healed, um, he taught people, he conversed with people, he encouraged people, he rebuked people. He carried out the will of the Father in his physical body for really an intense period of three years during his ministry. And we know that the ultimate work, the ultimate ministry that Jesus did was his death on a cross. Uh, and not just his teaching and his healing and his miracles, but when he died on a cross for our sin and he shed his blood, all that work that God did through Jesus while he was here in a physical body. Jesus told his disciples, greater works than this shall you do because I go to the Father. That's Jesus talking not just to the disciples then, but talking to all of us. Jesus continues his work through his body, through all of us, as we unite and gather and scatter all over the globe. We carry out the will of God and carry out the mission of God as Christ's representatives and as Christ's body.
So what does this mean? How, how, how are we to understand this? Like, what are, what are some really simple ways that we could boil this down? Two words that I think perfectly describe the, the, the point that's try, that God's Word's trying to get across to us. And it is unity and function. Unity and function. After all, that's what a, that's what a body is, and that's what a body does, is unified and then functions or it operates properly. So first, let's look at the spiritual unity. The Bible really shows that we have a spiritual unity. Even though we're not all close to each other relationally, because it's possible for 800 or 1,000 people to all be really, really close to each other relationally to every single individual, there's a spiritual unity that we have and that we share together that is centered around Christ. And that's what the Bible is speaking about right here. It says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized. We're going to talk about baptism next week. Very excited about that. We were all baptized into what? We were baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, doesn't matter. We were all made to drink of one spirit. This is what unites us. Age doesn't matter anymore. Background doesn't matter anymore. Economics, politics, all of the things in the world that divide people, those things, those things in, in, in large measure don't matter as much as the thing that unites us whenever we come into the presence of God. We gather around Jesus. Christ is our common denominator regardless of the differences that might exist out in the world. And this, this, is, this, is, this is what the Bible says in verse 13. For you are all baptized into one spirit and one body. Look what it says. Jews or Greeks, slave or free. What, what, what Paul's saying in that verse, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, these, are, the, these were dividing walls in the ancient world. What's being said here is it, is it doesn't matter your background. None of that stuff matters racially, socially, vocationally, economically. There is a unity around Christ, or should be, regardless of a diversity that might exist between people. I mean, after all, look, look, look around at all these people. Man, we are so different. We are so different. Now, we have some common things, but the thing that, that bonds us together or should bond us together is Christ. I mean, that's, I mean think, about how, think about what people in this world unite around. You walk around town in your UT t-shirt, you see somebody else in a UT t-shirt, and you're like, hey, yeah, you know, we, we, we've got a common bond there. Or you know, your Tennessee Tech t-shirt, right? You walk around, Tennessee Tech, oh, there's another Tennessee Tech student. Yeah, we have, that, we have that common thing there. Or maybe I have one too. I'm an old man. I never went to Tech. But still, I love Tech, right? Still a, still a, a common thing. Or it might be sports. It might, you might have a hobby and, or, or something and um, maybe it's a job. Maybe well, it's all types of things that people unite around in the world: politics and vocations, and all that type of stuff. For us, this is so important. For us, as the body of Christ, we don't unite together around all those things in the world that people divide over. We unite together. We have a spiritual union because of Christ. 
And this should be stronger than anything else between us. If, 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 do this sometime. Go on a mission trip. Go to India or go to Africa. Go to, go to someplace far away with people that are strange and exotic that you have nothing earthly in common with. And go on a mission trip and go up into a little house church and, and be around other Christians that you can't even communicate with because of the language barrier. There is just this bond that you have with them because they know Jesus and because you know Jesus. And the interesting thing is you can, you can pray at the same time. You can't understand each other, but you can still pray. You can still sing. You can still worship. Preaching can still happen, even though it happens through a translator. And you can have a bond with them because of Christ. We have this union with all believers, but we also have this union as a local church. And one day this union, even though it's disturbed and it's disrupted with all the different things that happen in churches, one day it's going to be so perfect. It's going to be so perfect. Just read Revelation chapter 7. The Bible says every, people from every nation and tribe and language and people tongue, we get this picture of all of those people gathered around the throne. And then there's another picture later in Revelation where it says they were all wearing white robes. We're all going to be dressed the same in heaven, right? All wearing white robes. Of course, that's symbolic of the righteousness that they had. It's going to be perfect. Do you know this is, the, this is one of the reasons that Satan wants churches to fight? How many of you know of a church out there that's been fighting? I bet if we thought long enough, and especially if you've been around long enough, you've probably seen that before. Satan loves it whenever churches fight. He loves it when Christians fight. He loves it when one church fights another church. He likes it when one deacon is, is, is disagreeing with another deacon or one staff member with another staff. He loves that dissension. He loves that because he knows that that violates the union that we're to have as Christian people. I have heard so many excuses through the years of people saying, well, I don't want to be a member of a church. I don't want to go to a church. I don't want to be a part of a church. Here's some excuses that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I don't belong. This is one of, I don't, I, I don't, I don't belong. You ever heard anyone say that? Well, I just don't belong there. I don't get along with people there. Or how about, uh, uh, how about this next one? I'm different than everyone else, you know, I'm, they're, they're one thing and I'm, 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 I'm kind of uh, another thing, or, or how about this, I'm not needed, I'm not needed, and, and, and you know, these, these verses, I don't have time to, to go through all these, but these are, you probably heard all, the, I've, I've heard people make all those types of excuses, I felt this whenever I first got saved. I got saved in 1991. I've shared my testimony several times with you guys. I've experimented with drugs and alcohol, got thrown in jail, and got saved in 1991 in a jail cell in Ridgeland, Mississippi, all those years ago. And I want you to know that whenever I went into church the first time, I was 18 years old. I went into church the first time, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I do not fit here. I don't belong here. These are all good people, and I've been a bad person my whole life. I, I mean, I felt so awkward because I, well, I, I, felt, I felt less than. I felt smaller than everyone else because they all, they all had their lives figured out. They all had it all together. At least that was my perception. In 35 years of ministry, I know that none of us have it all together. That was my perception. And I thought, I just, I just don't belong there. I just don't fit in. But you know what? I had had such a change in my life 
that I said, you know what? These are my people. These, these are my new people. And I'm going to find a place. I'm going to find a place to belong. This is my new family. And in the past 35 years or however long that's been since, since I got saved, I have found my family within the people of God. There is just nothing that draws me closer to another human being than that human being knowing Jesus and I know Jesus. And I have all the things that I like to do. I like going outside and I like being outdoors and doing things and stuff. And I have, a, I have an affinity with people who do the things that, and hobbies and things that I enjoy or, or who agree with me about uh, society and how a society should be organized, politics. Of course, we all have those things. I have, I, I have all those connections too. But the thing that, that binds me to another person that says that person's family is the fact that they know Jesus, and I know Jesus, and we all gather together, and we all worship, and we all love one another. So that's spiritual union. How about this next one? Spiritual function. If people that I have seen over the past 30 years or so have, have trouble finding union with, with, within a congregation, making excuses, I don't fit there, I don't belong there. And by the way, if you go to 100 churches and you don't fit in any of them, there's not something wrong with the churches. There's something wrong that you need to fix that's broken inside of yourself. But that is something that people struggle with. How do I find a fit? How do I find a place? How do I find belong? If that's, if that's usually a thing that we struggle with. This next one is also something I see people struggle with a lot. What is my function within the body of Christ? What is it that God has called me to do? So I've kind of squished together uh, several verses for you from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Some of them talk about spiritual giftedness and service and activities, which God says everyone you know, has, has an empowerment from God. Uh, another verse talks about how God has arranged all of the parts of the body, just like God created our our physical bodies, and he arranged them beautifully in a certain way. So it is with Christ. God has providentially arranged uh, the body of Christ. And then it talks about all the different functions, or some people might say offices or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't call all of them offices, but uh, the different things and gifts and how they all work together. See, all of this implies function. It's more than just being relationally and spiritually connected. A healthy body has to function correctly. It has to work correctly. And if you as an individual are not functioning and working correctly within the whole body of Christ, then Scripture shows that the, that the whole body is affected. You know how this works. So yesterday uh, I played hide-and-go-seek with my kids. And I did something that I probably just should stop doing as a 49-year-old. I ran. I just need to stop doing that because every time I run, it hurts. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. I mean, I know your perception of me is just this, you know, uber fit, you know, crazy strong specimen of a man. I understand that that's y'all's perception of me. Uh, but the reality of it, I am joking. Y'all do know I joke when I say that. Okay. Um, the reality is uh, we all have weaknesses, and as you get older, man, my foot, my ankle hurts today. I don't know if you've seen me limping around. If I sit on it very long, I, I, I kind of limp. That's the way that the body works. And all it has to be is something small, and it affects the whole body. 
Um, if you have a hangnail, or if you have a pebble in your shoe, or you just, or, or you, you tweak your back, and now all of a sudden the whole body uh, is affected. Having an ulcer, not being able to eat, having a, having a, bl- I mean, all the, all these different things. It affects the whole body. So it is with Christ. So it is with the church body. All of us are called to function. Now, typically, what happens is. Um, when we look at these verses, we start, we start harping on spiritual gifts. And I don't think there's anything that I have seen that have caused more people to feel guilty or feel lost than for me to say, how many of you know what your spiritual gift is? Or do you know what your spiritual gift is? In fact, if I were to go up to 10 Christians and say, tell me your spiritual gift, probably nine of them would say, well, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not real sure. And I think I, when I look at this, that we need to, we need to stop play, placing so much emphasis on the individual. Hmm, what is my spiritual gift? And just say, you know, God, what are you calling me to do to encourage and to build up the body of Christ? And because it's, it's not about us. It's not me discovering, oh, what is my personality? And, and listen, no little one-page, 20-question inventory that you're going to fill out is going to tell you how God's going to use you. You have to get into relationships and get into um, uh, to, to serving within the body of Christ, and God will guide you and He will lead you as to what He wants you to do within the body of Christ. And so functioning means we build each other up and we live out God's mission together. That's basically what the body of Christ does. Worship and mission. We build each other up and then we, we live out God's mission together. That's functioning. And you have a part in that. You may never stand up and preach a sermon. You never, may never be a life group leader. You do not need an official position in order to function within the body of Christ. You don't need my permission or the permission from someone on our staff to love on people and to encourage people and to build people up and to live on mission. You already have permission from that from the Word of God. Some people look at, and this is, this is why some people get lost, they look at the church as an institution. What are the positions that are available that fit my giftedness rather than looking at the church as the people of God and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do to love and to encourage and to build up and to strengthen the people around me? What's my role in the lives of all of the people around me? God, show me. God, help me to know who and when and how so that I might be obedient and so that I might help them also to live out the mission of God. We can do it together. That's, that, that's what it means to function. Jesus did all types of things while he walked around on this earth in his physical body. And now it's our turn. And we can't do it alone. We need each other to carry on and to carry out the work of Christ. So, membership in the body, as far as functioning, means you have service in the body... You have service to the body, and you have some type of service through the body, and the same Spirit of God that empowers it in other people, God will show you what it is that He wants you to do. So these are, these are, these are the two things that I see as the major principles in 1 Corinthians chapter, two, chapter 12, 
unity and function. And these are also the two things that a lot of times people struggle with. Saying, I, I, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm struggling to find my place in the church. Or I'm struggling to find what God wants me to do through the church. Or how, how God wants me to, to participate, how he wants me to serve. Those, those are the two things. And I find that most of the time, in an individual spiritual growth, they usually hang up in one of those two places. They'll come into the life of the church. They'll, they'll start coming and taking part in things. But they, don't, they, they won't really get relationally connected. This describes some of you in this place. Here's how I know. I know that some of you are not relationally connected. You hadn't really got involved with the people because I know that our life group attendance is smaller than our worship attendance. When I compare the number of people that are in this worship service, in this second worship service, uh, usually there's, I don't know, 404, let's just say 400 people thereabouts in this worship service. There's not that many people that are in life groups the first hour. Life groups is our mechanism for connecting you relationally. You say, well, I, I find relational connections other way. That's good. That's, 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 that, that's okay too. But that's usually a hang-up. People don't get relationally connected and involved. And here's what happens. If, if you don't get connected to the people, you will show up, you will sit in a pew, and you will sit there long enough to where you just wither up, and you may do it for the rest of your life, but really your spiritual life dries up. Your spiritual life dries up. You're like that branch that gets broken off and thrown off of the vine, and it just it just kind of it just kind of withers up, or you just drop out. You you just you just drop out altogether. Y'all, let me just let me just let me just share my heart with you for a second. Um, we 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 have a revolving door of people like that that I've seen over the past six years. They'll walk in the door, new people. We have new people come to our church all the time. They walk in the door. They hover around for a few weeks, a few months, maybe a year. They don't get connected to the people. And then we never see them again. And that, 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 is, that has really been on my heart. That is a cycle. It is a pattern that we see, particularly in our second service. And so if you're, if, you're one of those, if you're one of those people, there is nothing I can do from an institutional standpoint to fix that for you. You have to say, I am going to be connected here. You, you, have, you, have, got, you have got to make the effort to make that happen. There's nothing more we can do from an institutional standpoint aside from handcuffing you and dragging you to a life group at gunpoint or some other drastic measure. You, Because you, you're going to get hung up right there, and I'm telling you, you are going to leave spiritually unfulfilled. Not because of my preaching or because of the music or because of the kids' ministry or because of anything that we're doing organizationally. You, you will leave spiritually unfulfilled because you're not connecting to anybody. And, if, and, and relationships are at the core of who we are. That's usually a hanging point that I see for people. And this spiritual function, part, or this, uh, this functioning part is another thing. People will come in, they'll get involved, they'll get in a life group or whatever group, they'll connect with people, and they'll sit 
but they never found purpose. They never found purpose with the, they, the Lord never uses them to do anything because because they don't they don't ask. And there's a lot of people in churches that the same thing that that same thing is happening. You don't know what God's called you to do. You're, 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 you're seeking to be loved and you're seeking to find connection, but you're not pouring out to others through teaching or through encouragement or through helping in the nursery or serving at the care center or going on a mission trip or a million other things that you can do formally or informally to serve God, to pray for people. Do, do, you, do you know... They even writing some writing somebody a hand a handwritten note saying, "Hey, you know what? I can tell you're struggling. I prayed for you," and handing that to them. Do you, do you know just that right? You don't need you don't need a position in the church to do that. You can just do that. Don't get hung up on one of these two spots because listen, you you're not you're not really a member, not not really. You might be on paper. But you're not really a member from, from, a, from a participation standpoint if you don't find unity in the body of Christ and if you don't find a function in the body of Christ. Will you pray about those things? Because that's really what membership is. Listen, you can fill out the form and we can put your name on a roll. But I'm telling you from a spiritual perspective, being institutionally connected, there's, there's got to be so much more. And being in unity and function as the body of Christ. I'm telling you, that's the best thing for us. It's the best thing for you. So, I've gone over my time. I can't help it. Let me just say, let me just say this one last thing. Uh, there's no possible way that you can be connected to the body and that you can find function in the body unless you're born again. This is only for Christians. Only for Christians. Um, if, if you don't truly know Jesus as Savior, you'll never find a place. You'll never find a function. Not really. Not, not from a spiritual perspective. You have to know Jesus first. And this is, th th this is why we require people to be saved in order to join our church. Um, we want people to be born again before they join our church because there's, 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 no, there's, there's no real meaning for you unless you really know Jesus as Savior. And I, I think that that could be one of the reasons that some people find it so hard to get connected to a church. It's because they're not, they're not born again. They, 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 don't, they don't know the Lord. And so there's nothing inside of them that's really pulling them towards the body of Christ. And it's just unfulfilling. It's just they, just they just don't have that desire. And maybe that could be where you are today. You really, you, you really could be in one of three spots. You don't know Jesus as Savior. And so that's why you never can find a connection to church. You keep trying to get involved in an institution of religion, but it's just not working for you. And so you need to know Jesus. Or you're hung up on this relational piece. You're just not getting connected with the people. You're coming to a worship service, but you're not really connected to people. Or you are connected to people, and you just you haven't yet moved on mission with God yet. And you just you haven't found your function. I want to ask you to pray about one of those three things in your spiritual life today. Listen, you, your, your spiritual life may be humming right now. You may say, I've got, I've got all those. I know I know Jesus. I love my church. I'm connected to them spiritually. I found my place and my place of service. And if that's you today, will you just pray for, uh, for the people around you right now? 
let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And I, w- I, want, you to, I want you to pray one, one, of, one of those four things. If you don't know Jesus, pray about being saved today. If, if you're not connected, would you pray about being connected? If you haven't found your function in the body of Christ, would you pray about that? And if all those three things are true, the, the fourth thing, would you, would you just pray for the people around you, many of which that haven't found that? Would you pray for them right now? You spend some time just praying. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior today, the Bible says, if anyone will call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved. And there is no formal process for becoming a member of the universal body of Christ. All you have to do is pray and receive Christ. If you do that, it's automatic. It's automatic. You will automatically become a member of the, of the universal body of Christ just by calling on Jesus and getting saved. You pray and then Andy will lead us in a song.